Today on Life Talks, you're going to learn a new word. The word is pneumatology, and it has to do with the doctrines of the Holy Spirit. My name is Dan. I'm with Ben. We're the teaching pastors at Life Fellowship in suburban Charlotte. We are being we are engaged in a series on Theology 101, the basics of the Christian theology. Ben, pneumatology is one of those topics that uh, yes. that a don't, lot of people like to debate don't different you, aspects of it. Don't you just sound really smart when you say, we're going to study pneumatology yes, today? Yes. I mean, it just, people... Un- unless you look at it and you pronounce it pneumatology, <laughs> then it's kind of like, I'm an idiot, but I don't know it. <laughs> yes, pneuma is spelled P-N-E-U-M-A. And again, it's that's a... That's the Greek word pneuma is for spirit or breath. And the and, first P is silent. <laughs> yes, the first P is silent. Uh, the Hebrew word for spirit is ruach. Did you know that? Let's say that again. Ruach. Yeah, you say that when you have a cold. You yeah, I mean, your throat. if you, if you, any, most of these Hebrew words, I mean, they just, I mean, there's just a lot of. Hacking up. You don't want to be a close, close talker. No, 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 no. It's it's definitely, but that's a fun word to say as well. Numa ruach. I mean, it's just it's just fun. You're easily entertained, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> so, but Dan, I mean, think about the whole. What this might be the most. I don't want to say controversial, but people have their definite ideas and thoughts about the Holy Spirit, and there's a wide variety of beliefs. Don't, yep. you, know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and it, this overlaps to some extent with the episode that we've already done on the Trinity, Yeah. because the Holy Spirit is one-third of the Trinity. Yeah. It is fully God, but yet Correct. there are unique attributes yeah. yes. that are assigned to it. Yeah. So, <clears throat> well, let's start off with, with, with the first thing, yes. just as we kind of get into this. Is is the Holy Spirit an it, or should we refer to him in the masculine pronoun, him? <laughs> <laughs> well, the Bible, uh, I, I would say him. I believe that. But the Bible, well, the translations of the Bible say it. it. It's yeah. Okay, so it's it's in the neuter. It's a neuter mm-hmm. word. Neutral? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not he or she. Um, but but I, I mean... Does God have a gender? I mean, I, I don't think we want to talk about God being a gender because God made male and female in his own image. Therefore, both are a reflection of his image, right? So, but, but when, when we're but, but God talking refers, about that, are you going to refer to him as the spirit itself or the spirit himself? I like to start with the easy questions. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't even prepared to talk about the gender of the Holy Spirit yeah, as number one. No, I, I would just say him. I would call it him. I would too. I just, I just... I mean, have you heard people call it itself? Well, yeah, because the King James does that. It refers to the Spirit itself. Oh, well, if you're disagreeing with the King James, I I backtrack on your own. It's actually one of the arguments I use for the people who believe that the King James is, you know, without translation error. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, yes, I believe that that I would refer to it to he just because I want to be consistent with the other God the the Father, God the Son. But (laughs) I, I I don't believe that... I don't believe that the Holy Spirit has a gender. Okay. Does that make sense? <laughs> we, we, you say it this way. I, I, I've heard it said this way, and I wonder if you like this, that God has the best of both genders. Like if there are differences between men right. and women, God, you, you see the best of everything. Yes. There. Yeah, but I believe also God in his design did, uh, ordained that the, the male be the authoritative aspect. Therefore, when God refers to himself, yes. he refers to him yeah. in the masculine yeah. because yeah. Of, of, of that. But yeah. anyway, f- fun debate episode. Uh, yeah. All right. Now, let's talk about the personhood. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's really important to, number one, to ma- nail down that the Holy Spirit is a person, not a force, not a 
Um, you know, the idea, there's a lot of religions, Buddhism, Hinduism, that believe in a, in a, in a spiritual force out there. You know, think of Star Wars, those kinds of issues, where the force is just this nebulous idea that's working somehow, but there's, it's not really a person. And I think sometimes Christians can, ref, can almost think about the Holy Spirit as this impersonal force. And I, I don't think that's right or good or true because again, three persons, one triune God. And so the Bible's very clear that the Holy Spirit has both intellect, emotion, and will. Uh, you know, first Corinthians two verses 10, 10 through 11 talk about the Holy Spirit has has intellect. He has a um, has a mind, um, emotion. Ephesians four thirty talks about us grieving that the Holy Spirit can be grieved, and that He has a will that He determines how things happen. For example, First Corinthians twelve eleven talk about Him, how He wills to give gifts to different people. So there's there's definitely proof that there's a personhood dimension to the Holy Spirit. It's not, he's not a nebulous or it's not a nebulous force out there just kind of working and moving, or it's like, it's the, it's the force behind God, the father, right? I mean, we talk, Jesus talked about the, how the spirit proceeds from the father, but he's not, he's not just this lightning force. He is a person with intellect, emotion, and will that the Bible definitely backs up. All right. So knowing then that that he, he has real personhood, mm-hmm. real distinct mm-hmm. uh, characteristics, yeah. and, and we know he is deity. Yes. Do all of those characteristics overlap with the Father, the Son, or some are some unique? What no what, what what makes what allows us to identify him as deity? So I definitely think, well, first of all, what what we can point to and say the Holy Spirit is deity because of two two major issues. The names he's referred to and um, the attributes he possesses. Okay, so for example, um, he is called the Spirit of God in Romans eight verse nine. He's called the Spirit of Jesus in Acts chapter sixteen verses six through seven. And probably I I like this passage the best as far as proving his deity. And that's the the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Okay, um, these are two people in the early church. They they sell a piece. Of, they see Barnabas sell a piece of land, and he brings the proceeds, lays it at the apostles' feet. Everyone's like, hey. Yeah, we love this guy. And they're like, you know, I'd like to, I'd like some people to, to like me. They sell a piece of property. And this is just my conjecture. They probably got more for it than what they were thinking. And they thought, let's keep a little bit back for ourselves. Let's bring what people would think that we got for this land and lay it at the apostles' feet, just like Barnabas did, so that we can get attention. And in that midst, I believe they were believers because it says the Holy Spirit, they they laid they lay the gift at, at Peter's feet. And Peter's like, hey, why did you? Why did you lie to the Why did you lie to the Holy Spirit? Okay, um, and first it's the husband, and you know, did you is this what you got the, the land for? And they're like, yeah, and he's like, yeah, and he's like, no, you're you're lying to the Holy Spirit. And then he referred in the within the same you know area, he says, you haven't lied to man, but to God. So one way he says you lied to the Holy Spirit and you've lied to God, and he and he equates the two. It's probably one of the most profound. Um, evidence is that the the apostles viewed the the spirit of God as deity as well. So, so he definitely carries the names. But and then and then you have the attributes. The attributes of of the Holy Spirit, you know, he are, are that are deity. Uh, you know, he's got omniscience. First Corinthians chapter two, verse ten and eleven. He's got, he's omnipotent. Has cr- the creative work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Genesis one verse two. 
him creating the world. Uh, Job 33, 4. You have the work of the virgin birth in Matthew 1, verse, or chapter 1, verse 20. So you have this God, he's got this power to do the supernatural and to do the thing that only God can do, and that's to create something out of nothing, okay? Uh, you have his um, omnipresence, Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10. You have his eternal, he's called the eternal spirit in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. And then he's called the spirit of truth in John 14, verse 17. So he carries the attributes of God in himself, the Bible refers to him having these attributes. So when it comes to the deity of the Holy Spirit, he is as equal to, to the Father and equal to the Son as all as they all are. Um, and so he is personhood and he is deity. And I think those are the two foundations of understanding the Holy Spirit. Okay. So n- now we've kind of have him defined in, in these characteristics and, yeah. and so forth. <clears throat> let's let's take a historical perspective. And we may not get to both of these in this yeah. episode, but let's start so if the Holy Spirit, and of course I believe this, um, this is a theoretical <laughs> question, but as, knowing that the Holy Spirit is God mm-hmm. and is in in the Trinity, mm-hmm. then that means he is eternal. Yes. And so then he existed in the Old Testament. Yes. Yet for most of us, we identify him as in the New Testament when Jesus himself said, you know, I'm going to leave with you the comforter. Yeah. Um, and that, that the... The relationship with man did shift to some extent yes. in terms of the continu- continuity of his presence in our lives through yeah. the indwelling yes. that comes at salvation. But where was the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things we have to see is there's a difference. There are some similarities, and then there are some differences between the work of the Spirit in the old, in the old under the Old Covenant and under the New Covenant, under post-Jesus, post-crucifixion. Um so, so we need to we need to talk. We'll talk about that. But I think it's important for you to see that the Holy Spirit was at work in, in the Old Testament. The t- the two words I think we need to before I answer that question. I think the two fundamental ideas when it comes to the Holy Spirit is you got to think about power and presence. The Holy Spirit is God's empowering presence. That's not my definition. That's Gordon Fee. He's a He's a brilliant theologian. I might not agree with everything he he states about the Spirit, but I think he nails down the two fundamental ideas in the work that the Spirit does, and that is he brings the, the presence of God to someone, and he brings the empowering work of God to someone. Because what we lost in the fall, when we, when the image of God was marred in, in us, um, he's the Spirit is the one who who restores us back to the way we should have been. Okay, so you always see this work of power and presence throughout the, the Word of God. But when it comes to the Old Testament, the first that you you see him create, you see the creation, his creation in Genesis one. It also refers to his creative work in Job chapter twenty six verse thirteen, in Isaiah thirty two verse fifteen, um, or I'm sorry, Job twenty six thirteen in Isaiah thirty two fifteen. Um, but really, the first work where you see you mentioned is the story of Noah and the fall of man and God looks at the sinfulness of man and says, man, this is really bad. And he makes a statement that my spirit will not you know, restrain or strive with men forever. This idea that he gave his spirit at the very beginning to hold back the sinfulness of man, but they kept pushing against it and, you know, abusing it. And, you know, we see this later on, we'll talk about this at another episode, but the idea of quenching the spirit and grieving the spirit. But there was some kind of work that the spirit was doing 
in the days of Noah, that was that was restraining sin, but it man kept overpowering it. Maybe not overpowering, maybe that's a bad word. They kept pushing against it, saying, God, I don't want what you want, I want what I want. And so we see this work in, in the book of Genesis. Um, we see the work of the Spirit give life to people, right? The creation of Adams is the Spirit, you know, that that Ruach, that, that Hebrew word, um, that the Spirit of God breathed life into Adam. Um, but but you see, there's three things that you see the Holy Spirit do really throughout the, the, the bulk of the Old Testament. The first is you see him do the work of revelation, giving revelation to people. We see this in 2 Samuel 23, verse 2, where David acknowledges the things that he is writing, the things that he's doing are coming from the Holy Spirit. You also see this in 2 Peter chapter 1, where it says, holy men were moved by the Spirit of God, referring to the writings of the Old Testament. So wherever you see someone writing down scripture, there was a work of God, of the Spirit that was bringing this this partnership between man and God to write down Scripture. So I think I think that's an, another important one. Um, the the other one is the work of regeneration. Now we see regeneration in the in the New Testament. It's it's different because of post Christ. There's there's a um, there's truly a, a born again that we're referencing to born again. And, and even when Nicodemus, when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus about being born again, remember what he says to him. He's like, "You're a teacher of of Israel." You should know this. Why would he? Why would he say that? Because he knows there's a work of the Spirit that makes things new, and you see this happen throughout the the, the Old Testament. People that are that when they place their faith, Hebrews chapter eleven, um, when they place their faith in 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 God for whatever they were asked to believe in, they it was counted in for righteousness. So so when Abraham looked at the stars in the sky and, and he believed that God's promise was going to be true, he says okay. You are you are declared righteous at that moment. The Spirit regenerated them, um, and so we see that same work today. But it's a little bit different because there's a full indwelling of the Holy Spirit inside of us. So, so we see the work of regeneration. Another, some theologians will say that the the description they might not use the term regeneration of what we see in the New Testament. But for example, in Deuteronomy chapter four, it talks about. God circumcising their hearts. What does he mean by that? He means that he's, he's doing something to remove the, the hardness of their hearts and making them soft. And, and, and Ezekiel refers to that, that phrase in Deuteronomy chapter 4 multiple times, talking about the circumcision of the heart. Well, I think that was, that was an Old Testament expression of when God was regenerating unbelievers. Uh, so the, the last one is that God empowered people in the Old Testament for certain things. Okay, now this is where it's different for us today, because in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon people and then he would leave them. Okay, for example, remember David's Psalm, Psalm 51. And there's uh, there's a song we used to sing in, you know, chapel services, Cre- you know, creating me a clean heart. Oh, and we get to that one phrase, um, Remove not the Holy remove, Spirit. From remove me. not your spirit from me. Now, why would David say that? Because it was possible. Mm-hmm. He had seen the same thing happen to Saul. The Holy Spirit came upon Saul. We see the Holy Spirit come upon Saul for a special work. I think it's in uh, uh, First Samuel chapter sixteen to do this amazing work when he was when he was a good king and leading Israel to this victory. But the moment he started doing his own thing, the spirit left Saul, and all of a sudden he started becoming tormented by an evil spirit. And 
David saw that. And so when he sinned against God with the sin of adultery, he was like, I don't want the same thing to happen to me. And so what we see is we see the Spirit of God come upon a whole different groups of people for different reasons. We see um, in the book of Exodus for the building of the tabernacle, remember it says the Spirit came upon um, these these laborers. I can't remember the names of the two guys, but but they were these craftsmen. And it says the Spirit of God came upon them to do this work. Um, we see another expression of the Spirit of God come in Numbers chapter 11 when uh, Moses takes the Spirit that was upon him and and kind of like distributes it to these 70 elders to say, all right, now you've got my authority to to help give leadership. Um, but then we see other times when the Spirit of God comes upon someone. Joshua, Numbers chapter 27. Othniel, Judges chapter 6. Gideon, Judges chapter uh, or Judges 3. Gideon chapter 6 of Judges. And then Samson in Judges 13 and 14. The Spirit coming upon someone to do special work but it doesn't always stay around for the special work. But we here's what we always see is that when someone does something that is not in accordance with what they would normally and naturally do, that's a work of the Holy Spirit. And so that the Spirit of God was very active in the Old Testament. Some similar things, but some things very uniquely. So, and we'll talk about this more in another episode, but <clears throat> do you believe that same... Uh, empowerment in terms of activity that allows us to experience special blessings by God, or that Ooh. God sometimes lays what some have referred to. And, you know, often we assign this to Pentecostals, but I've heard this preached in Baptist churches yeah. as well, that that uh, there's a special anointing for some yeah. that that <clears throat> allows the Holy Spirit to, or the Holy Spirit allows them yeah. to, to be used in unusual ways. Do you yeah. see evidence of that in the New Testament? Well, okay, so... We're going to get to that in the next episode. Okay. But, but what, what, I, what I will say is this, to, to close off this portion of, of the podcast. First of all, the quick you know quick answer, no, I don't believe. It. And I, I don't believe that you can use these references for the Spirit doing these kinds of things and saying, well, this is, we should expect the same thing. The, the second blessing you're talking about, really what Pentecostals and- I'm, I'm not referring to the second blessing, but I'm referring to an unusual anointing. Yeah, and, and really- they kind of they kind of over they they overlap terms okay so so there's this idea of whether it's a special anointing or they call it the baptism of the holy spirit they they almost feel like there's this kickstart jumpstart whatever filling of the holy spirit which is again in the new testament that we'll talk about that i i believe that there are times when the spirit of god works in our heart but i don't believe it's i don't believe we get zapped I never believe we get zapped. I believe what happens is the Spirit works in our hearts to lead us to a place of surrender and conviction where we, by the power of the Holy Spirit, say, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to do this. I, I don't believe that we can look at the—here's here's my what I'm trying to say. I don't believe we can look at the Old Testament pattern for the Spirit's work and, and apply it to us today. That's That's how I would say that. Are there moments where people say, I had a life-changing moment where the Spirit just kind of made everything clear to me, and I've never you know, smoked a cigarette again, or I've never had a drink again, and I've never abused this again, or I never... Yeah, I, I believe that can happen. I also believe that a lot of times overcoming sin is a process. I don't believe that... I believe that also non-believers can have those experiences. Non-believers can have experiences where they have this life-changing moment where like everything became clear to me, and I'm no longer going to do this bad thing anymore. Oh, praise God. That's that's a wonderful thing. Um, 
so I think the spirit works in a lot of different ways, but I I don't believe that there is this, I don't believe there's a second class Christianity. And I'm not sure if that's what you're asking. Uh, to some extent, but I, I, I smell a debate episode coming maybe <laughs> in the future, yes. which is kind of ironic because yes. actually you and I have See, variant views on on gifts of the spirit yeah. in terms of yeah. you know cessationist versus yeah. continuous, yeah. so so it's kind of interesting. I'm I'm learning. Well, so where from so it. where do you fall on, on well, that? In thirty nine in... seconds, I don't have time to explain <laughs> it fully, but I I do believe that at times God chooses to pour out a special anointing on people for a, for yeah. for His purpose. So, but. Can I ask a really quick clarification question yeah. about something you said earlier? Just because yeah. it's so it kind of fits this episode. Yeah. So what I heard you say earlier was that looking at the Old Testament when people did something really different than what they would have usually done. Yeah. That's the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And in my dumb brain, I immediately am like, wait a minute, does that mean like no one was acting super differently, like had a really weird day? No, no, I think, I mean, I think- I must have misunderstood. Yeah, I think one of the things that we have is we still have the image of God in us that gives us the capability of do, of living righteously, yeah. right? Um, and, and I do believe that the Holy Spirit was at work in, in the life of regenerate people. Mm -hmm. I just don't believe we have the true permanent indwelling baptism. There's a different work that the Spirit did post-Pentecost mm -hmm. that was different than the Old well, Testament. Well, and I think some of that evidence is viewed in the presence of the Holy Spirit on the people of Israel. Yeah. Because that came and, and went. Is that correct, Remember Came and went? But, um, and you know, and when he was... When he was blessing the people, he was there by a pillar of fire, a yeah, cloud, yeah. and 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 so that was representative of God's the presence, yeah, presence, the presence of God. His, yes, and it was had not always been there, and it would not always be there. Correct. But during those moments, it yes, was. Yes. So, well, we're out of time, dude. And yes. uh, fascinating. And and again, w this is introductory level. Yeah. We're not intending to, you know, to be guest lecturers at Dallas Theological Seminary. <laughs> uh, at the same time, and we're already hearing this from folks who have been listening to this series that it is creating a thirst in them to mm, dig deeper. And that's good. exactly why we want to do this series. Yeah, so good. as always, thank you so much for listening to Life Talks. We will, we will continue with the topic of pneumatology in our next episode. Uh, until then, we hope that you'll be sharing uh, with others uh, how they too can listen to Life Talks. And until next time, thanks as always for joining us here at Life Talks. You've been listening to Life Talks. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new episode. Share this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to let your friends and family know about Life Talks. We'd love to hear from you as well, so leave a comment and let us know your thoughts on this episode or any other topics we've discussed. Life Talks is a ministry of Life Fellowship in Cornelius, North Carolina. For more information on Life Talks or Life Fellowship, visit LifeCharlotte.com or you can find us on Facebook at Life Fellowship Charlotte.